Our second reading this morning comes to us from the book of Numbers. We'll be reading from chapter 11. Listen for God's word to you. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not bear it all by yourself. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad. And the spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but had not gone out to tent to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, one of his chosen men said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it is the birthday of the church. Uh, It is Pentecost. It is the day we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. And yet, you know, not everything is wonderful. If you look around, if you look at the statistics, the church is going through some tough times right now. Not just this church, but the church in in North America, English-speaking North America, Canada and, and the United States, the church has been in decline relative to the population for a couple of decades. And a lot of churches are actually seeing numerical decline among their numbers. So the church is actually going through some some difficulty. One of the ways that the church, that difficulty in the church is showing up is that people are not attending as frequently as they used to. And if you're one of them, let me tell you, don't leave. I'm not going to kind of beat on you and say you're a bad person or something. Um, hold on, I've got a point here. And I, I eventually get to my point, I'm told. So, um, so the, the reason is that there's sometimes good reasons not to attend church. It's not necessarily a bad thing to miss church. But the reality is people don't come to church as often as they used to. Now, like I said, there are some good reasons. There are, there are reasons people come to church. And one of them is kind of an, uh, an odd one, that there's not much social pressure. You know, it used to be that... If you didn't go to church, your neighbors are like peeking through the blinds at you and going, you know, I don't think they go to church. I don't think they go to any church. And they would kind of whisper in the neighbors and they wouldn't shake your hands. They'd shun you. You couldn't come to the barn, barn raising or whatever it was. So back in the olden times, there was social pressure to go to church. And now that's not there. You know, you don't do that with your neighbors. And if you still do, well, trust me, they're not doing it about you. They're not peeking through their blinds and wondering, are you going to church? Because there is very little social pressure to go to church. If you don't 
believe in Jesus or you just, you know, you're just not at that into church, no one is going to make you go to church these days. So that's one of the reasons attendance has fallen. But there are, there are reasons why uh, people who are Christians, people who believe in Jesus, who want to be part of the work he's doing in the world, still don't go to church as often as they used to. Uh, you know, back, back in the olden days, people didn't go to church as often. And, um, I mean, people went to church more often uh, because there was really nothing much else to do. When I grew up, there were blue laws. Does anyone remember blue laws? businesses would shut down. You couldn't do anything on Sunday. So you might as well go to church because there's nothing else you can do. Those are pretty much all gone. You can you can buy things, you can go to stores. And even if you couldn't go to stores, right, the TV channels are full of distractions. Um, there's parks, there's all kinds of ways we can recreate. You have opportunities now that you didn't used to have. Um, you may have children in a, in a youth athletic league or something where they want to play soccer on Sundays. There's reasons that people have alternatives now on Sunday to worship, which they didn't have in the past. And one of the real struggles the church has had is as those those kind of societal restrictions have vanished, that there weren't things, there weren't competing things to do on Sunday, the church has not been as effective as it could have been in kind of rolling with that and adapting to the new circumstances and 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 instead has oftentimes been very rigid in terms of you know we will continue to have our service at you know eleven o'clock on Sunday morning uh, because it worked for my grandfather and that may not be true today and I think churches need to be a little more nimble and and track where society is going if there are in fact distractions for people out in the world so so there are there are good reasons there there are good reasons why you may want to be away from church on Sunday. Um, there are uh, people are wealthier today. You know, it used to be you maybe got one vacation a year. Now you can you know take every weekend off. You can you can you can go up to the cabin. You can maybe go outside. You're gonna you're gonna go uh, back to a family reunion in in Oklahoma or something. And if you're in Oklahoma, you're not here, so you're not gonna come to church here. Maybe you're on vacation. Maybe you're you're gonna go to Hawaii or something and enjoy you know the pineapples and mahi mahi here. Whatever you do in Hawaii, I don't know. Um, but we've got people here who will tell us next time they're here. So, um, so uh, there are Hawaii goers. Uh, and again, if you're in Hawaii, if you're on vacation, you're not here. It's just the nature of people. You don't get to be in two places at once. So there are good reasons why you might not be in church. And then, and then, um, uh, this is a reason that that I I kind of have have to accept by faith um, because it's not part of my culture because I'm older. But what I've been reading, you know, sociologists tell us that, that younger people, uh, Gen Xers and millennials want interactive experiences. That if they just want to be passively talked to, they've got YouTube and Netflix and, you know, social media and they can just kind of have stuff wash over them at home. But if they're actually going to go to the trouble of going out, they want it to be more of a give and take. They want more interactive experiences. And for those of us who grew up kind of sit down, don't squirm, be quiet in church, that is, well, what, what else would you expect in church? And the answer is, I expect something different. So that's another way where the church maybe just is going to have to adapt uh, and, and be more flexible in the future. So various reasons why people don't come to church. And what is startling is how different that is from what we see in the Scriptures. If we look at the way that God first began to interact with people, uh, to, to call a people his own people, we see it's completely different. You know, for one thing, 
You had to go to church. I don't, I don't mean it was expected that you went to church. I mean you had to. There were criminal penalties assessed for not going to church. If you didn't, if you didn't go to the worship of the people of God, then depending on the circumstances, you could suffer the death penalty. So think about that the next time, you know, the alarm clock rings and you say, I had a busy Saturday. <laughs> you know, there was a time, there was a place when it was expected that you went to church and there were criminal penalties if you didn't go to church. That was the law of the people of God back at the very beginning of God's story with Israel. So it was legally required. It was also theologically required. There was something we called the temple system, which meant uh, later on it gets its name from the temple, which was actually later than our reading. But the temple was this whole idea that that you didn't really experience God directly. That there were people who did that for you. You had you had people who did that for you. They were the the priests and the the Levites. Uh, there was this system where you would you would go to the temple, and the way you offered your sacrifices, basically you'd pay for it. Somebody would take your money, and they'd say, "Okay, we're going to offer you the sacrifice on your behalf. We're going to bring you back any leftover animal or or vegetable, whatever it was you're making a sacrifice of." And then they would go do it. The Levites would give it to the priest. The priest would put it on the altar. They'd make the sacrifice. You'd get something back. You'd have a festival, whatever it was you were doing. But it was all through intermediaries. There was this idea that it was handled on your behalf by other people. There wasn't an experience of God directly. So it was different from us both in terms of the necessity of going, but also in terms of the experience. And that's what we see in our reading today. In our reading today, there are the people of God have been rescued from from slavery. They've been slaves for 400 years in Egypt and God has rescued them. They were being chased through the through the uh, wilderness uh through the desert by Pharaoh and God delivers them. He allows them to escape through the Red Sea and the Red Sea closes back behind them and they're delivered safely through this miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. Then they're out in the wilderness, there's nothing to eat. And God provides them food and water, water from a rock, manna from heaven. God provides for them in the desert miraculously. And they grumble. They grumble. And and the reason is because, you know, they don't have any experience of God. I mean, yeah, this stuff happens, but it's all just kind of washing over them. They see Moses is going out to the tent of meeting. Okay, well, something's coming down from up on high, you know. He went out there, something's going to happen, I don't know what's going to happen, but in the meantime, I miss Egypt. In Egypt, I knew the way things worked. I knew what was going on. I had my meat, I had my vegetables. Here, there's water and there's this manna, but I don't like it. I just don't like my whole situation. I don't like Moses, I don't like I don't like any of this. And that's the situation that they're in. And Moses uh, does it has a very thin skin. Moses uh, complains to God just the way they complained about Moses. Uh, Moses says, I hate these people. I hate leading them. They're always complaining all the time. And so that's where our passage picks up because God says to Moses, well, I can, you know, two things there. The the people want meat and you want other leaders. So he says to Moses, he says, gather for me seven of the elders who you know to be elders and bring them to the tent of meeting. Again, you go where the worship is told to go. You don't, you don't get to pick where you're going to worship. Um, in fact, later on, once the temple is built, you had to go to the temple. Uh, it would be like if three times a year you had to walk up to Wasilla and spend a week there worshiping God. I mean, it might be a great festival, but 
you know, if the goats are back in your pasture bleating, you've got to figure out what to do with the goats while you go up on foot to Wasilla and come back a week later. So that was the way it was. You didn't get to worship where you were. You went to where God was, which was in the temple. But God says, send them out here to the, to the tent of meeting and I will take some of the spirit that's on you and I will put it on them so they can be co-leaders. So I'm going to address your particular concern, Moses, about the leadership. So he does. So Moses went out and uh, told the people the words of the Lord and he gathered 70 elders of the people and he placed them all around the tent and the Lord came down and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But even here, you know, yay, you know, yay, God, you've done exactly what we were kind of hoping that you'd kind of be a little more responsive, be a little more interactive. But then it says, but they did not do so again. So it's like, wow, we're really kind of stuck with this system. You know, the, the intermediaries, the layers and layers, no direct access to God. But then we hear this. Two men remain in the camp, one named Eldad, the other named Medad. And it doesn't tell us why, but for whatever reason, they were stuck in the camp. They they stayed there um, or whatever it was. And the Spirit rested on them too. They did not go out to the appointed place of worship. They did not go up to Wasilla. They did not go to Jerusalem. They did not go to the place where you're required to go. And the Spirit met them right there. So, so they had not gone out of the tent, but they prophesied. And we get a hint of just what a strange thing that was, to have some kind of direct access to God right where you are. Because when somebody sees them doing this, he says, whoa, that you know, lightning is about to strike. There's danger here. We don't want this to go on. So he runs out to Moses and says, Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua says, well, we better put a stop to that right away. And Moses says, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. And maybe this is more complaining of Moses. He says, you know what? I hate leading you people so much. I just wish you didn't have any leaders. I wish all of you had, were your own leader. Maybe that's what he's getting at, but I don't think so. Moses was a prophet, and I think Moses is looking forward a thousand years to the end of the temple system where people have direct access to God, where there's no longer an intermediary, and you have to kind of watch the, the, the signs and say, okay, some of our leaders are going out to the tent of meeting. I wonder what's going to happen. You know, someday we'll find out too. You know, in the meantime, I've got this kind of, you know, I don't know, I just work here mentality. It's like whatever God says, it eventually comes, comes back to me, and I just do what I'm told. But Moses is looking forward to a time when people don't have to have that, those layers of intermediaries, the, the Levites and the priests, this whole temple system with the sacrifices, Moses says, would that the Spirit were available to all of God's people. And then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Moses may or may not have been looking forward to it, but we know later prophets definitely did. In fact, Peter quotes one of them on Pentecost. He quotes Joel. Joel says that in the last days, I will pour out my flesh, my spirit on all flesh. That's what happened at Pentecost, we believe. That's what Peter tells us was going on at Pentecost. God poured out his spirit on all flesh. The thing that Moses had looked forward to, that had wished for, actually happened. Because the point was never the temple system. The point was never you have to go worship at Wasilla or Jerusalem, as the case may be. 
It was not about you have to go to this particular place, you have to work through these intermediaries, you have to obey this particular system of rituals and ordinances. The point was never about that. That was always a temporary thing that looked forward to the real that was coming when the Spirit would be given to all of His people. Church is not about going to church. Church is about being the church. There's a song that says, don't go to church, be the church. And that's what Pentecost shows. God really doesn't care if you come to church. God wants you to be the church wherever you are. God wants the Spirit to empower what you do when you leave here today, when you go back home, or when you go on a picnic because it's so beautiful outside, when you don't come next Sunday, when you and your family decide to go for a hike in the mountains, that may be the Spirit of God calling you to spend some quality time with your family, enjoying God's creation. Because we no longer are under a system where we have to go to the place where other people will worship for us. We now have God's Spirit resting on us and working in us and through us in the world. On Monday, when you go to school or when you go to work, be the church. Be the church in your workplace, in your school. This November, when you go into a voting booth, be the church in the voting booth. Not to reestablish some system where you have to go to church on Sundays, but because the Spirit is telling you what it is that God's will for our country is. Be the church in everything you do. Now, I'm enough of a nervous Nelly. I misread it. When people don't come to church, I think it's all about me because that's the kind of insecure person I am. So let me tell you honestly, should you, should you quit coming to church on Sundays? Well, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> Last Sunday, I told you why. Last Sunday, we talked about Mother's Day and how the church is our mother. You know, the reality is all of us need a mother who can encourage us and exhort us. All of us need a mother who can say to us, you could do better. And we need a mother who, when we fall down and scrape our knee, will put a Band-Aid on it and kiss it to make it better. That's what the church is. The reason we come back together is not because this is the only place we're allowed to worship. It's not because we need intermediaries, people like me who stand up in front and do the worship for us. That's not why we come together. We come together because the church is our mother and we all need a mother. The, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews put it this way. He said, he said, let us not neglect meeting together. The next slide, please. I forget the words. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We need this. We need to come together. But this is not the place we have to worship. God sees us where we are. God's Spirit joins us out in the world. Pentecost reminds us that it was never about going to church. It was always about being the church. So go from here today and be the church. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for sending your spirit, for for Jesus interceding on our behalf in heaven, asking you to do that, and then you doing what he asked on our behalf. We thank you for the gift of the spirit. We thank you for the way that 
Your spirit brings life and hope, brings light into darkness, brings power, makes us better than we were, makes us more of what we are. We thank you for all the ways the spirit is at work in us, Lord. But today especially, we thank you that you have poured out your spirit on all people, on each one of us. As we go from here, we don't have to have Levites and priests and intermediaries who worship for us, that we can worship you wherever we are, at work, at home, at play, at our children's soccer games, up in the mountains, in Hawaii, wherever we are, Lord, you are there, just as you were there for me, Dad, and Eldad. We thank you, and Lord, we help. We, we ask you to help us see you in our everyday lives. We pray all these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.